they created two classes of society, vaccinated and unvaccinated. This is Intelligent Rebellion. This is episode 14 of the Intelligent Rebellion podcast. Today's guests wish to stay anonymous to protect her family and her identity. She is one of us though, a healthcare worker, a colleague, a friend, a peer, and a person who has served our community for many, many years. However you might feel about COVID-19 and the vaccinations and the mandates, today I'm asking you as the listener to be curious to open your mind and to open your heart because what you're about to hear is simply a conversation between two friends two colleagues and two humans all right so hey uh thank you so much for coming on today i really appreciate your time what we're going to be talking about is a for me a really curious subject uh though did you want to just start by telling the world who you are and what you're all about i'm an exercise physiologist from new zealand i um, i think you have this conversation quite a bit with your other guests is how did you get into exercise physiology and we all pretty <laughs> much say the same thing don't we i was an athlete or i was in sport and i was told well you're good at sport how about you study exercise science so that's what i did i studied exercise science and this is a long time ago <laughs> And I loved my sport and I excelled in sport. Because I was doing well in sport, I got a scholarship to America, came back home, and and so I ended up um, representing my country a couple of times um, in Commonwealth Games uh, once and then again at World Student Champs and then also again for Oceania um, Champs. When I graduated... I didn't actually know what to do. There was no such thing as an exercise physiologist when I graduated. And I just started with personal training and massage therapy. Yeah, I got married in New Zealand to an Australian. Um, we had three children in New Zealand. By the time the third one came around, we were pretty alone. Um, we'd moved um, to Auckland and my parents were in Wellington, so we didn't have a lot of support. We were running a business. We just decided we'd move to Australia to be closer to his family and um, get that family support because our kids were all so little. So I had three three kids in three and a half years. They're all teenagers now and thriving and living a great life, I think, anyway. You're an exercise fears, but also a business owner because that's how you and I met, actually. Mm-hmm. You and I uh, were sort of work together to help you sort of figure out which direction you were going to go and which way you were going to go. And and now um, I know you've launched the business, which is awesome. And watching you evolve over that time has been an absolute pleasure on my part, which is, I think, a really interesting thing and and why I like I wanted to talk to you as well, because I I feel like I know you fairly well. Let's just get right into it. Like you and I, um, there's look, there's COVID. Everybody's been through COVID for the last, what, two years or three years now, I think it's been. And everyone's had such differing experiences to it and I'm really intrigued because I follow you on socials and you know we sort of talk here and there as well but you and I have very differing opinions about our experience with COVID and and the information and the choices that we made how the decisions that you made really impacted your ability to do the things that you love to do which is to help clients and patients um, and also to raise your kids in in this world well I mean, so if I start back from the beginning when COVID first came out, I was yeah. probably the ultimate COVID consumer and I was watching 
new, mainstream media news every day. I needed to, it was really important to me to be up to date and to know what's happening. And I was right on board with social distancing, um, mask wearing. I would wear a mask when people would refuse and um, everything that we were told to do, uh, that was me. And I would be sanitizing and cleansing my home and insisting my children do this and by only buying the best masks for my children I was very much the perfect COVID consumer I guess you could call it mm. and then I guess um, as things developed the little red flags started waving the first ones I didn't pay much attention to for example masks so um, at one point we were told quite early on we we're told no masks are not effective there's no scientific evidence for them don't don't worry about your mask it was an on off on off and I just went well, I'll just wear a mask just in case, just yeah. in case it is helpful. So that was probably, you know, this is the beginning of the red flags. And um, prior to, I think prior to the vaccine rollout, Scott Morrison said there is no rush or for a vaccine um, rollout. And I thought, yep, yeah, that, that makes sense um, because vaccines take time. And um, when Scott Morrison felt said that, I felt comfort and uh, later I learned that there was a very unpopular opinion that I had. But then um, when the vaccine was developed, well, they started talking about vaccine development and it came out two months later and it was kind of like, hey, presto, we have a vaccine. And I thought, well, wow, that was quick. I'm just going to sit back and watch. And so it rolled out to our older age groups and um, our medics first or, you know, hospital staff, etc. It was time for the next age bracket, which I think I would have fit into. Was And um, once it got rolled out, and again, it wasn't mandated or anything. Um, if you wanted it, you could take yeah. it. That was when we started hearing about the first signs of blood clots. And I just went, ooh. Blood clots, okay, that, that's not promising. We have these blood clot issues coming up. And on the news, they were telling us that it was, you know, very slim chance of blood clots, um, very slim chance of um, any adverse reactions. So I think they said it was 0.09 or something like that. But I thought, well, hold on a second. How can you say we've got a 0.09 when we don't have a lot of our population vaccinated? What happens when we've got more people vaccinated than what? Mm-hmm. And so the big thing for me was we just don't know. And even still now, we still don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine. For me, that was a big deal. I wanted to know that if I was going to take a vaccine, that it was going to be safe. Mm-hmm. If I were to have my kids vaccinated too, I wanted to know that I was giving them something safe. Yeah, And it's very early days. So... Like I said, we don't know, and that's not a risk that I'm willing to take. Anyway, I used to talk to mum quite regularly. She said and, and to me... Sorry, your mum is still yeah. in New Zealand, isn't she? Yeah, mum's yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. mum and dad's still both in New Zealand. Um, so I was having a conversation with her one night, and we'd always be discussing the, you know, the latest and what's happened and <clears> that kind of stuff. And I, she said to me, so which vaccine do you think you'll be getting? She's very well aware in Australia we have a choice of two, or I think it was two back then. Yeah. Um, and in New Zealand they've only got Pfizer. And I said, well, I don't think I'm going to do this, Mum. She said, why not? And I said, because I just listened to an ABC podcast. And, Mum, this is Australian Broadcasting Company, and there's nothing – they're pro vaccine, and, and you know, we get this is where we're supposed to get our trusted information. But this guy has just said that it's not going to protect against the Delta strain, and he's worried about that. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to another podcast, Mum, and this nurse in Israel has said, um, 
that nurses are still dying of COVID, even though they're fully vaccinated. I said, I don't think it's effective, mum. And she said, I think you still need to take your kids and yourself down and get yourself vaccinated. And I said, why would I? That was probably the point where I made my mind up. I just thought, why would I take something that's not going to be effective? Yeah. Um, it's not doing what we're told it would do. And, and, and then that's obviously had, and I think anyone here who's in Sydney and Australia, you're in Queensland, really understands what kind of happened from then on with the mandate started to come in about um, being, being vaccinated and working. You made a decision and it was a sound decision and it was looking at the information that you had and, and going, actually, I'm not quite sure yet. Mm. How did that then flow on to the rest of your life as everything started to uh, to move with mandates and things like that? Well, it really felt like um, I was living in two different worlds. So on one side, we've got mainstream media who are pushing this messaging around vaccinations are safe and effective. This is our pathway out of the pandemic. Now, you and I know as health professionals that there is no one singular answer to prevention of illness or disease. There's no singular answer to health, mm -hmm. which is exactly what they're trying to promote through a vaccination. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I'm going, why are they pushing this so hard? I know that health is about is multifactorial. Why, why do we have politicians telling us how to be healthy? And that really bothered me too. So I just, started, I just started asking why a lot more. Why, why, why? Why do we have politicians pushing this message when it just, and it doesn't sit right with me? I never had a good gut feeling that this was the right thing to do. And I find it really um, interesting because you did have a trusted source, which as you mentioned was the ABC, you, and then that trusted source contradicted itself on, yeah. on things that you actually know about. I mean, you're a healthcare professional, you, you, you know about, you're quite educated on, on this stuff as well. Um, and and I'm, I'm very much about intuition and I'm very much about listening to your gut feeling. Um, mm. And as everything started to continue on, here you are, you've made a decision um, to, to not take the vaccination, to not have the vaccination. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you've made a decision that your kids also were not going to have the vaccination. Like I imagine shit just blew up for you. It, it's an unpopular decision. Yeah. Um, it, look, you're a wonderful person. I, it's like I don't understand why people need to stand on any side of this. I think mm. it's really important for us to have really open discussions with people that we know and that we adore and that um, we think very highly of and, and respect that. Mm. Um, so, But shit blew up for you because you were sitting in the minority of this. Yes, I was definitely in the minority. And the, the hardest thing about it, like I could be quite happy sitting in the minority. I've done that. I'm sure I've done that. <laughs> you and I both. I mean, yeah. we've done that on many. I've done that yes. on many occasions. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, but I think my, my problem was that we have this massive, strong machine called mainstream media and government that are pushing these messages and it's repetitive and we're hearing them over and over again. But then that, those messages also started turning into anti-vax sentiment. They created two classes of society, vaccinated and unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. And they, they painted a picture of unvaccinated people as anti-vaxxers, mm -hmm. as people that were uneducated 
as people that were um, conspiracy theorists. Now, I can guarantee you 100% looking in the eye, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I do not like conspiracy theories. I had a bad gut feeling about this. I heard from reliable sources and not just ABC, but there's a lot of medical health professionals saying the same thing. But, and that's another thing is the censorship around it. Is anyone who's got an opinion against it, who's upper registered, will risk losing their job and their registration if they speak against it. However, we are seeing a lot more people come out and talk about it now. Um, at one stage, I you know, felt very alone um, in my position. I started looking very hard at you know, where can I build my community, my tribe, because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the only one who's, who's in the same boat. I did. I just started digging around and I started finding more like-minded people and um, I found a group called Queensland Health Practitioners Alliance. It was a good start and I found a local group as well in my area. Mm-hmm. Every week we would meet and just talk, you know, what's happening and what's going on. And But we had in there the whole spectrum of medical professionals, with yeah. med- even medical staff, reception staff, etc. So we really um, created that community amongst ourselves create a strategy and support for each other and how we're going to work through the mandate. That intrigues me because you've been a part of the healthcare community. Uh, mm-hmm. You're a part of my healthcare community. You're a part of you know people that I, again, I speak with and have worked with. Mm-hmm. How did that feel to know that you're in a community then suddenly we're no longer a part of a community and then having to yeah. feel isolated and alone, as you said, and then trying to find a whole new tribe? It's awful. And I'll tell you what, it had does a real trick on your mental health too like I and you and I know from our industry we we know to recognize those signs and symptoms and I was definitely seeing them in myself mm-hmm. and so I went to my doctor um who I didn't I don't I don't I can't actually say I have a doctor I'm actually an incredibly healthy person and I've never really had a need to have a GP, a regular GP, but um, I had just recently been to a GP um, because I had been to a, a breast care, breast cancer awareness type fundraiser, and you know there was all this talk around make sure you get checked and blah. So I just went and got my check, and I met this doctor and I liked her. She was nice, and so I thought, well, I might just stick with her if I have any anything that comes up. And she said to me, so I was there for breast checks and um there's a family history as well so i need to stay on top of it and i know that mm-hmm. so and then she said to me just off out of the blue so what are your feelings about the vaccination and i said oh to be honest i'm not really on board with it and i i didn't say a lot but i yeah. said oh okay well because we were just told that we we should take it that we just took it we didn't really think much about it and i guess it's just that blind faith like you 100 percent believe in the medical community that have developed vaccination that's all that i could have thought would have been her answer to that question had i asked it i did not ask and anyway so that was our conversation but she was really good she was very accepting mm-hmm. you know we had a, a open discussion like you and i on two different sides of the fence went yeah cool okay that's your opinion that's mine fine and we went on our way um and then my next visit um there were mask mandates for health practitioners or something like that but and i thought i didn't really realize but i I thought it might have been like when you go to a cafe. Remember how we had mask mandates and you could stand up in a cafe, but you couldn't sit. Oh, yeah, you could sit down in a cafe, but you couldn't stand, stand up. Stand up. Oh, another little red flag. <laughs> um, and so I sat down and I said, um, 
is it okay to take my mask off? And she went, oh, no, 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 no. And she got really scared. Mm-hmm. And I really observed that she went from this accepting conversation to maybe a month later when I wanted to talk to her about my mental health concerns to fear. Like she was scared of me because she knew my, my position. And I just thought, excuse me, I'm no different to the person you met a month ago. And yeah, and you're not a scary person like just because you've made a decision. You're far from it. I, yeah, I don't even look scary. <laughs> yeah. You're the really most fun. benign, normal-looking person. <laughs> no offence. Yeah. And I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yes, it's meant to be one. <laughs> yeah, and then not long after that, that medical clinic banned unvaccinated people. They flat out refused to treat anyone without a vaccination. Mm-hmm. And so we start seeing this massive separation, and you do, you start feeling very different. I started, I just... You know, I remember watching some bikies drive down the road and um, their bikes and all their rebellion-looking stuff, and I looked at them and went, oh, my God, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I get why you want to identify that way because you feel that you don't fit into this society. Not that I did anything crazy. I don't look any – I don't do anything different or look any different to how I did, you know, before COVID hit. But I actually – I can really relate to why people rebel on that level because Mm -hmm. society treats them like that outcast. And I was being treated like an outcast. And my my own daughter – this was heartbreaking for me. So I encouraged her to come to one of our local rallies because she understood and, you know, we had had in-depth conversations Mm -hmm. and she understood my point of view. She was very challenged by it because her environment at school was very medical-minded. She said, Mum, I'll believe you when you show me the science. I want to hear the medical professionals talk about this. I said, okay, here we go. I showed her this video, which was uh, uh, less than 10, but more than five, maybe seven or eight um, health professionals, Mm -hmm. amazing array of very experienced health professionals in this conversation. And the main message from it was, well, this vaccine is not effective against Delta or any new strains. Its own strains are only effective against Alpha. It's also in trial phase. Mm -hmm. And this is a three-year trial for the vaccine. And she just went, oh, okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. And not long after that was about the time they started mandating it. And and I said to my daughter, I'm really worried about this because I could be mandated for work. One of my big fears was I wouldn't be able to travel to see my parents if something went wrong with my parents. Mm -hmm. So that bothered me. And I was really upset because I felt very strongly that this was not the right thing to do. I could potentially lose my job from it. Yeah. Uh, If something happened to my parents, I wouldn't be able to travel to see them. Let's just put this down to anyone who's listening. What you made was an informed decision. You had the information and you made a choice. The same reason how I took the information and I made a choice to vaccinate. My Mm. husband and I chose to vaccinate. I know a lot of people who chose to vaccinate, but I also know a lot of people who chose not to vaccinate. Mm. And and I think we need to get past the idea of me versus you or us versus them. As you said, that idea of then labeling people as anti-vaxxers or vaxxers, that just created a riff and... That was, re- that was really upsetting to me because I said, you're not the only one that I know. I, I have family members, friends who I consider family members who really struggled because, yeah. as, you, as you said, you felt like you were ostracized for a decision that you made. Like, this is just a decision that's been made. And, mm. and to your point, I'd have to second your discussion there that you're not all conspiracy theorists. You're not 
all uneducated you're not all like if anything you are the opposite like knowing you personally you are the opposite of those mm. things mm-hmm. and that's like the biggest thing for me is I needed to know why I had a lot of questions and the more I dug the less I was convinced that taking the vaccine was the right thing to do and I think you know when it came to the mandates I obviously totally disagreed where there's risk there must be choice I think it's important to note that we evolve as humans, so we evolve with our opinions. We evolve as we get more information. And, and I think this is the really awesome thing about this is that you were open to changing your mind, but in a way that people didn't think. Like, so you went, hey, look, I'm all about the vac- I'm all about the mask. I'm all about the staying away. I'm all about the washing my hands. I'm all about all these things. And then something came up, which then changed your mind as how you felt about COVID. Now, people need to process that. So let's just give them a minute to process that, right? Just as people make a decision to change their minds and information that then becomes a popular opinion, mm-hmm. your, you changed your mind to what then effectively became an, a, a least popular opinion. The that's the same process. Part. Guys, everyone who's listening, that's the same process. It's the same process of decision making. Yes. And I was talking to a friend about this recently about decisions are reasonable, like with the information that you're given and that you choose to process you come up with a reasonable conclusion. And so I, I, I really want to go back to the mandates came. Mm. You had as much fear and trepidation as oh. everybody else about oh, COVID. Yes. Right? Now, Talk me through that. Well, I think by the time the mandates came, I had no fear of the virus anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you want to know the truth about things like this, especially in this case, you listen to the silenced. As I was asking why and digging deeper, I found that we've got a lot of whistleblowers. And one of these whistleblowers was a, a GP in New Zealand. And she got up and she said, why do we need a vaccine for a virus that we've got a 99.8% chance of surviving? And then another thing she said was, if you think that a vaccine passport is your ticket to freedom, think again. Ever since this whole COVID and the vaccine stuff, came about I have entrenched myself I am learning every day and to the point that I it takes over a bit too much but I there is so much out there there's so much to learn and I just sorry if I've gone away from your original question probably no it's okay Um, this is this is an emergent discussion this is what happens during episodes (laughs) so so we have a a lot of very brave health professionals and more and more and more um, are starting to come out of woodworks who are speaking up against this and We've got a lot of groups that have formed out of it. Um, we've got COVID Medical Net- Network. We've got Canadian COVID Care Alliance. They were the ones that dissected the Pfizer documents. I don't know if you've heard about the Pfizer documents. You can Google this. Google Pfizer 75 years. Pfizer tried to withhold all of their safety data for 55 years, and then they tried to withhold their safety data for 75 years. When you're presenting this information to, to people... Yeah. What has been your experience of how they they've received to, it and how they don't want to know? Mm-hmm. They just don't want to know. I've given them easily digestible bits of information, like simple videos that explain the efficacy of the vaccine. They just don't want to know. Yeah. They absolutely, and they call me and they say, What would you know? You're not a doctor. Well, you're not going to get a doctor speaking to you about this because they're scared, like I was scared. In fact, they're probably more scared because I've got even more to lose. I had a lot to lose. Um, I'm a single mum and I'm a New Zealander. I don't get benefits if I don't have a job. I need to work and I like working as well. People don't want to know what's out there. I think 
gradually it's definitely changing and I do see a lot of change. I can't remember early on when I first started finding out this is not the right thing, I felt like I needed to educate the world about X, Y, and Z. It's not, not effective or whatever. Oh, who are you? Who do you think you are? You're a conspiracy theorist. You're an anti-vaxxer. You're a this, you're a that. Yeah. And I'd be going, hold on a second. Oh, like, yeah, right. That's fair enough. You don't know me. I'm going to flip it around, though, because it's only yeah. a fair question. On the other hand, mm. when you are when people are speaking with you, uh, let's call it counter-arguing mm. um, or presenting uh, uh, different information, h- how do you find your responses? Because, when, when, I mean, I speak with you and I speak to a lot of other friends who we have these discussions about, let's call it opposing viewpoints or other viewpoints, and mm. I actually instinctively find myself going, oh, my gosh, what are they saying? Like, oh, no, no, and then find myself wanting to counter-argue rather than actually really sitting and listening and when I made a conscious decision to not have an opinion about the information and just take it in I found that I was more open and more compassionate and and again it's just information oh no I mean that that's I think and this is what the point of today's episode is to to Mm -hmm. say you know what yeah we can just have a chat that that's cool like we absolutely and it's beautiful and this is how it should be but it just isn't because there's so much resistance but what opera has done is taken away the ability for medical debate Mm-hmm. If one medical professional says, hold on a second, I don't know about this, um, let's have a look at some more data, and now we have more data, that medical professional, is they're not allowed to say that. Yeah, They're not allowed to say that at work. They're not allowed to discuss that with their colleagues. Because obviously as a healthcare professional, we're not here to tell our patients what to do or other people that we work with what to do. We try to give them as much information. They can make an informed decision about their own healthcare. How did that work when, you, as you said, you're effectively, um, in your words, being gagged by APRA or by certain institutions to potentially not give all the information to your patients, people that you work with? What was that battle like for you internally but also externally? Let's go back to pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. If, you're, um, if your doctor says you've got a, some kind of a health condition, let's say di- depression, here are your options, X, Y, Z. Here are the pros and cons of taking medication, for example, or surgery. We know when we've got clients that have go for surgery, they'll be told two sides of the story. Mm -hmm. That's informed consent. What our government has done has taken away the ability for our health practitioners to give their patients informed consent. Mm -hmm. This becomes a massive, massive ethical dilemma for them. I don't know if I'm doing harm here or not. Yeah. I think most health professionals start in health because they want to help people. Oh, yeah. They have a, a real ethical dilemma going on in their minds and they struggle with that. The mandates came in. How did you personally continue to do the job that you do yeah. Yeah. during, during the, the mandate? Easy. Easy. <laughs> so some, one, one of my friends said to me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to stop working and I'm not going to get vaccinated. And that's that. But the thing is, with our mandate, so we we fell under the health professionals mandate, it changed frequently. So initially it was health practitioners. And as a non-clinical exercise physiologist, I just thought, but that's not even me. I just carried on working. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't scared at all. And someone said to me, aren't you worried about that mandate thing? I went, I'm not clinical. In Queensland, they then turned around and said, yeah, you health professionals, you're all mandated and you can't do telehealth. And I went, you, you what? Mm-hmm. My job, I don't meet the definition of telehealth, but all of my interaction with my clients is through Zoom, phone, emails. 
which prior to COVID, a lot of the people that do the job that we do, which is consultancy, we would just use Videocon for anybody who was remote, so we didn't have to travel or drive eight, nine, ten hours to get to places. Yes. So that's not unusual. It, it's, it's not at all. It's no, this really is, quite I'm, a normal practice. I'm in regional Queensland, and mm-hmm. it's very normal. So anyway, we're told we can't do telehealth, and I said, "Well, how do you explain that? If I'm at risk to my clients, and I'm talking to them like I'm talking to you now on Zoom, mm-hmm. I'm not." posing any risk at all you can't tell a health professional that they're putting their clients at risk by doing telehealth yeah and so anyway i contacted our registration body and i said what's the definition what how do we define x y and z health professionals i'm an exercise physiologist i don't work clinically and do telehealth by the way it's defined because telehealth defined is diagnosis treatment and education through telecommunication i said i don't do that i manage rehab plans i manage return to work and so their response was no you're a health practitioner so therefore your mandated doesn't matter that was one of the most upsetting events throughout this whole experience for me that was what really sucked the life out of me mm-hmm. was when I got that email from them I never replied but I knew that I was not going to change anything mm-hmm. um, and again I kept my Queensland Health Practitioners Alliance and we would dissect the um, mandate and the language used in the mandate and I'm sitting there and we're dissecting and I'm going hold on a second this doesn't apply to me at all because I'm not working in the clinical setting mm-hmm. and, and so and so how you felt about the vaccination firstly and the, the other thing is the mandate well, one of those things like the real tipping point for you or was it more so being told just because you don't have a vaccination which you choose not to have after everything that you've read and, and thought about and very much processed what particularly was it that really you went you know what fuck this shit this is yeah <sighs> Because I looked at the mandate as well. We had mandates here and, and I thought, shit, what a minefield. Like, this is a can of worms. What an impossible situation for anybody making any decision. Well, they made it very hard. I think when, yeah, probably it was the mandates that really got me. Like, I was quite happy just going along, mm-hmm. quite happy with Scott Morrison saying there will be no vaccine mandates. That made, that gave me comfort. But then everything that he said that gave me comfort uh, comfort was, t- was gone. Mm-hmm. We'll have another discussion in, in a year's time and it might be different. Yeah. So we're just going to put it out there. But mm-hmm. in, in looking back at everything that has happened, everything that you've read, beauty of hindsight, what do you think would have been a, a system that would have been more comfortable for uh, you know health professionals like yourself and the people that you, you've already spoken to with you know the the Queensland um, allied, like health professionals association? What are you guys discussing? Like, where's, what's another way that this could have been potentially done? Like, Look, I think one of the biggest problems is the influence of big pharma on our government. There's been a lot of money made out of this. So, money being the root of all evil. Yeah, I don't know if you agree with that or not. I think a lot of people do. Let's take money away from it and then manage the plan. You know how I feel about big corporations. 
Definitely a um, a balance there between the mission of healthcare and the margin of business. Oh yeah. Where I sort of sat with that is I'm an optimist, as you know, so I kind of have to balance the fact that they they're also inventing other medications and other drugs that are effectively doing what they need to be doing, which is helping the people who live in this world. You know, they they they're the same guys that make Viagra. Like <laughs> let's just put it out there. You know, so the same people that make the statins and all the other drugs um, that are helping people live their lives every single day. For me, that's where my internal battle is oh my god like everybody has an evil streak but also everybody could potentially have a good streak and look at pharma they could have a good streak and they could also potentially have an, an evil streak that's just kind of that you've got to deal with the good and and the bad of it i normally ask people for a utopian society like what you know if you listen to the podcast i say hey if you were had a billion dollars like what would you do I, I want to flip this what is your dystopian society like what is what are your worst fears here where, where um, do your worries lie um because of COVID. Well, yeah, because of COVID, because of what what's we've seen the best of society, we've seen the worst of society during this mm. pandemic. I have a few fears. So, one fear is that COVID has definitely affected our economy, mm-hmm. and so I fear for what that breakdown in our economy leaves behind for our children. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for us in the last half of our life, I think you're a bit younger than me, but for me it's <laughs> getting to the last half and healthcare is a massive fear as well. So, you know, we need our doctors to be able to give patient-centred care, not care that's developed by a government. Mm-hmm. Every patient's different. Every patient needs to be treated as an individual. We do not need a one-size-fits-all approach to health, economy, health, um, one of the long term, we don't, we still don't know, but we do have a very good idea of what this vaccination has done um, health wise. So, what's that going to do to our future generation's health? Mm-hmm. What's our health going to look like for our, our kids' generation? Yeah, and your fears are the same and concerns are the same as every parent out there. Hey, yeah. the future for my children. And, mm. and this is what I find really interesting that there is such common ground here. Like we all, yes, of course, we're all parents. We're all, well, I mean, if you're, yeah, you're part, or even just as, as a person living in this world, you just want to make sure that the future generation has it better than you do. Is, is, isn't that like the whole goal? In looking at all that, you have the same concerns that I have. Will my children be able to? afford a house in Australia? Will they be? Will the economy still be alive? Will they be able to build businesses like you and I have? Will they be healthy and well? And we still came up on a very particular issue on two very different sides of the fence. And that is fascinating, right? Isn't that it? it just completely fascinates me. And it doesn't make me right or you wrong or you or, or me wrong or you right. It makes us humans making mm. decisions, which we feel is the best one like no one wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to make some really bad decisions today. <laughs> no, no one does that. Like, yeah, and if, and if you do, you, you, yeah, yeah. I'm, I feel like screwing the world up today. I, mean, <laughs> I think that's where the issue has been is always like all of a sudden people make a choice that you don't agree with and they just become bad humans. Like bullshit. Like fuck that. No, they are just no. human people who have the yeah. same concerns. Can I feed myself? Can I clothe myself? Can I put a roof over my head? And then can my children or the next generation do the same thing and hopefully better where do you see the future what are the things that you've seen during covid Mm. that gives you gives you some hope about humanity and society look i hope one day this is in the books of history and we look back on it and say wow Mm -hmm. look at that look what my grandmother went through this is part of history of course so i really hope that they can look back on that and they can learn from that Mm -hmm. 
and take the best possible lesson out of it and apply that. You know, I never liked history in school and I'm so disappointed that I didn't <laughs> learn more history. But I hope that they can look back on our history and say, okay, this is what happened. This is what went wrong. This is what went right. And we're going to create the best possible solution for, you know, if whatever it comes our way, if there's another pandemic, et cetera. And there will be another pandemic. Yes. Yeah. So I hope that there's a big learning from it. And I hope that kids learn to appreciate history. I hope too for the ones like myself that have chosen to go against the grain, that we've got more resilience because of it and we're stronger. And I feel like I am a much stronger person again. Mm -hmm. Every time you go through one of these things in life that's real hard to deal with, you come out of it a lot stronger. And I know for me, my kids hopefully are watching and paying attention too. And they know that they can stand up for what they believe, that they can make informed choices and they will soldier on. We know we hear stories of neighbours who've never really spoken or really really interacted helping one another. From the very beginning, you mentioned that you found a whole community of people and I find that extraordinary. I, I think that really warms my heart to know that people always have a community and if you look, you will find your people. They might not be the people that you hang out with next year or next month or the month after that. These are not the people that um, I jive with. So let me go off and find a new group of people and have discussions with. In saying that, I think it's super important that you do find people who don't agree with you. Yes. Because that is vital. So the question here is I actively seek out people who have very differing opinions to me. I mean, I'm very mindful of echo chamber. Like I ended up in an echo chamber during COVID. And so I had to actually actively try to undo that. So is there anything that, that you're trying to be mindful about? Um, what do you want people to know about, oh. about you and information, how you really look at this? Look, I do put myself, and I've been on both sides of the fence. So yeah. I, and I do put myself into the shoes of you know people who have chosen to take a vaccination. And um, I can totally understand that a lot of the stuff that's coming out of it now, or now that we learn more about it, could be really quite frightening. You know, some people only took it because they knew they were going to lose their job if they didn't and they couldn't afford to not lose their job. I try to be very mindful of that perspective. I have to stop myself from saying everything that I'm learning because it's hard to hear. And I'm also very mindful that personality-wise, I'm a bit of a fighter. I'm, I don't lay back and I will stand up for something if I don't feel like it's aligns with my gut feeling I, I won't do it I have to be mindful and appreciative that I've got friends that were too scared to not get vaccinated and you know I've got to really remember to be on their level yeah and, I'm talking and I think that's super important because what it fundamentally comes down to is people made decisions in their best interest yes this is the decision I'm making because yeah. of x y and z and mm. We need to return to that compassion. We need to oh, return to that. Okay. Look, we don't even need to pretend like we agree or that we understand each other, but mm. just knowing that someone made a decision based on what they thought was the right thing to do, yeah. I think always have to come back to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I think um, like I was, a, I was going down the path of saying this story about my daughter. With her, we got to the point where I understand why this is not really a good idea to take this vaccine. She was fine with it. She spoke to her friends and she said, I believe that people deserve to have a choice to choose if they want to take this vaccine or not. And she knew that my profession had been mandated and 
um, she said this some group chat snapchat thing in a, in a group and all of the girls not all of them some of them just went silent but the majority of the girls and the ones with the biggest voices were the ones that absolutely annihilated her they called her an anti-vaxxer they sent her clown emojis they blocked her most of them she has never spoken to again and those are girls that were um friends from year seven you know really good solid strong friends have now because said i believe that people deserve to make a choice about whether or not they want this they turned around to her and said Anyone who doesn't get vaccinated doesn't deserve to have a job. They probably didn't realise what position I was in at that time. You can't tell the daughter of a single mum that's been told you have to get vaccinated or you lose your job. Tell You can't say that to, to that girl. And they're young. I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But just their attitude, and that's another thing that scares me, is are we going to have the next generation, are they going to be in this position where they can't accept that someone's going to be different and want to make a different decision? In that example that you just gave me with your daughter is they've known each other for a long time. All the information they have on each other is good human, good person, hey, love to hang out with them, you know, play sport with them, known them pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly... Now I don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't know the answer to this, and I've racked my brain and read psychology and all that stuff. We've seen that across families, parents and their children, or their children and parents. It's all of a sudden everything that you know and love and adore about this person just disappears because of this one, this one singular decision. Now that's a whole other discussion and podcast episode for somebody else. Like there's just, yeah. that's five hours worth. And there's a lot of stuff about mm-hmm. that out there, you know, sort of as, as we start to wrap up, this is probably one of the most important episodes that I think I'm going to do for Intelligent Rebellion because just need to have conversations where we Absolutely. don't end up calling each other names and throwing sticks and start disrespecting people this mm. is just about decision making and what you think is best for you yourself and your family yes full stop <laughs> this is not about anything and, else you know, yeah. prior to you know prior to COVID it would have been considered wise to get to be informed and whether or not you want to do this there was no stigma around that no one was a social outcast because they chose one thing over another as far as medical procedures it was considered smart and wise to make a just an informed decision i would love to talk to people who who are curious and who want to know more i've got so much knowledge that i could i would love to be able to impart Mm -hmm. on anyone that wants to listen and i'm more than happy to share that and i always take time out for people that do ask me questions Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, I'm happy to help mediate that. So just contact um, our, just contact Three Sticks or me and we'll connect you in to have those conversations. I absolutely adore you and thank you so much for taking the time. And look, it's unfortunate that you kind of feel like you have to stick your neck out. I think you're a good human, you're a wonderful human and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you and I really appreciate that you're so open to having a decent conversation, that you're happy to listen. Um, it's very refreshing and I don't get it often. Yeah, and I welcome that if other people want to reach out, I welcome to have that level of conversation. The Intelligent Rebellion Podcast is a Three Sticks production. It is produced, written, and hosted by me, Ria Mikado. Will is the emperor of sound, mixing, and editing, and is a talent behind all our original music. 